1: If you're looking to throw some optics on your turkey gun this spring, look no further than the Vortex Defender ST. This is the red dot we're going to be running this season. We're excited about it. This thing's built like a tank, super lightweight, super long battery life, everything you need in a good turkey red dot. And if you want to get a discount on that red dot or any other Vortex optic, go to eurooptic.com and use the code SGN10 to get a discount. That's eurooptic.com, code SGN10.
2: Learn more at marines.com.
1: You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and
0: subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the southern outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Strut Report. This is your host, Jacob Myers. Super excited to bring you guys this episode. Now, this may just be our best strut report ever. And what I mean by that is there are some super hot tips that a lot of these killers that we interview uh, absolutely just share for us, which is fantastic. And I promise you, you're going to want to stick around to the very last interview for the Strut Report because it's a really good one, especially it's all about... Killing birds on both public, private land, high pressure in the afternoons, okay? Definitely something you're going to want to tune into. And make sure you stick around to listen to that very last interview uh, with Mr. Jared Smith, who's a turkey killer. He's killed four birds in four days in Alabama on some pretty pressured land. And uh, he's looking to tag out for that fifth bird of the season. So definitely want to check that out. Appreciate everybody's been following along for this turkey season and this, uh, again, everything's kind of been happening so far this spring. We are now going to be producing three episodes a week for you guys, all right? So we're about to be throwing out a ton of content, but hey, listen, we're not trying to throw out just some basic stuff. We're trying to throw out some really good content for you guys. Now, we're starting back up the... Uh, Southern Outdoorsman Listener Success Story Turkey Edition. Uh, We actually had seven Listener Success Stories come in over the weekend and our first episode is actually going to drop Friday afternoon Friday evening so y'all can listen to it on the way home from work but also check it out on the way uh, to the actual woods Saturday morning for all the weekend warriors out there. So If you go out this weekend, you have success using tips and tactics from the show please shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram or shoot us an email on our contact page on the website and let us. Us know, of course, uh, that you had success using tips and tactics from the show, what episodes were impactful for you, and maybe we'll choose you for a future episode of the Southern Outdoorsman Listener Success Story. But other than that, I will shut up and let's get right on into this week's episode. All right, guys, and first on the line, we have Mark Williams coming in from southeastern Georgia. Mark, to kind of kick us off, what has the gobbling activity been like for you over the last few days?
3: It's It's been mostly from the roost. I haven't heard a whole lot of goblin once they land, Um, and that's been in the last couple of weeks, the times I've been out scouting, and the three days that I've been hunting so far, I've only actually had one that I know was on the ground that was goblin, and all the rest has been right at first light in the tree. It seems like once they hit the ground, they quit. That's been my experience. Some of my hunting buddies is reporting different experiences where they're hearing them you know, gobble throughout the day and, and gobble a lot, but um, that hasn't been my experience. I hear them first thing in the morning, then they seem to go quiet as soon as they hit the ground. Um, I've I've seen the gobblers, you know, make visual contact with them out in the fields and so forth and, and seen, uh, heard very mental gobbling. I did hear one yesterday that was gobbling with his hands, um, but that's been the only one.
0: All right. And this will go kind of perfect with that question and kind of what you've been seeing You know, right now, are you still seeing a lot of these turkeys? Are these gobblers still kind of hinned up in in these kind of winter flocks, or are you starting to see more and more kind of lone gobblers?
3: I've seen them mostly in the flocks with the hens. Um, i see multiple gobblers at one time with multiple hens. Um, I was successful on a gobbler yesterday morning that was right by himself, but so far he's been the only one that I've seen by himself. The rest of them still being flocked up.
0: What kind of habitat are you hunting in southeastern Georgia? And then also, what kind of habitat are these turkeys really sticking to this time of the year?
3: Well, because of the amount of rainfall that we've had in the last few weeks, uh, most of the hardwood bottoms has been pretty well flooded. And I've been sticking to the, to the high ground into the pines and on the public land and to some of the food plots, um, uh, traditionally, I will go look for them in the hardwood bottoms and creek bottoms, but they've been really flooded. I was at a creek bottom today. I didn't see any sign along the edge of the creek, which was unusual for this area. Um, where I've seen most of the signs, has been up high and dry in the pines. That's been my experience.
0: All right. And now I know you've had some success uh, the last couple days or so. Uh, Can you walk us through what's helped you be successful kind of early on in the season? And what kind of tips can you leave the listeners of what's worked for you and maybe they can implement that this weekend?
3: Uh, One word, patience. Yesterday morning, good example, I went to – I got off work yesterday morning right at daylight, headed to a, a piece of public land, got out there well after daylight, at well, after they had done got on on the ground, I went to this area that I hadn't been to since last year, but I'd had some history there in the past, some success. I got out there to this um, this food plot on this public land. i have seen some some fresh droppings, some fresh tracks. So I knew the birds had been there or still in the area. And so I decided then that I was just going to stay right there, make myself comfortable for up to two hours, and, and see what happens. I started calling. Um, i called about once every 15 to 20 minutes never heard a bird never got a response and after one hour sitting there a lone gobbler came into my setup um and he never made a sound before i got the shot off um fantastic once I, got,
0: I i gotta interrupt you real quick because that gets me excited talking about blind whoop. calling i've got to ask i want you to keep continuing that off um but did, how often or how soon after did you that last calling sequence did he come in
3: Um, probably 15 minutes after my last one, because I was just, I was using a trumpet call primarily, and I was just picking up my trumpet call to put it in my mouth when I seen him coming. And so it had been at least 15 minutes since my last one and maybe 20. I don't do it no, no more sooner than that, unless they're talking back to me and that seems to be what they want. But in this case, it was, you know, silent, silent morning never heard a sound so it had been at least 15 or 20 minutes since the last call when i seen him. all
0: right and now what i know you killed one other bird so what was the kind of the, the lowdown that bird and any takeaways from that hunt
3: a, a lot of patience just as well i had loaded that bird into my truck and i decided that i'd go by this piece of um, private property i got permission to hunt and just glass the field and if i'd seen birds out there i was going to uh, take it to my advantage and try to make a stalk on them and sure enough way back in the back of the field uh, probably 300 yards from where the highway is at. I've seen a gobbler with a flock of hens. So I parked my truck and I made a stalk through the wood line. And I got to a place where I thought it was about 100 yards from them. At that time, I couldn't even see the turkeys. And I just set up, made myself comfortable against a tree. I didn't have a whole lot of uh, visibility in front of me. But just knowing their history and knowing their travel routes from watching these birds over the last few weeks, I knew which way they'd be coming. They'd be coming down that uh, wood line. And then, sure enough, and, I, and then I called some, but they never responded to my call. But after about 30 to 40 minutes, I seen the first hen coming my way. And she was followed by five other hens or six hens in a line. And then there was a gobbler. And then there was another gobbler that I didn't know was there, two gobblers. And, um, uh, the, the first gobbler when it once he got in range i shot him i could have limited it out right then because uh, i could have shot this the second gobbler and that would have been my three birds all in one day but i didn't he stayed right there and i let him go figured two birds in one day was plenty and um and and so um it was just a matter of i never heard him gobble except when i first got out of my truck i heard him gobble down there with his hands but after I set up and I started my call and I never did hear him. It was just a matter of on him to come my way which is what he eventually did. Had it been in the woods and I didn't know he was there um, you know typically I could have just give up on him or not even wasted my time and that would have been the case had I not seen him uh, but just, just knowing I did see him, and just knowing their habits I uh, said so, well I may have a chance at them just, just from their normal travel route and that's what worked out. They didn't respond much to my calling. They just followed their normal travel route.
0: And that's where becoming a good woodsman really plays a factor. Knowing the woods, knowing the uh, the habits of turkeys you're hunting uh, plays a huge factor, and that absolutely seems the case there, Mark. But, Mark, thank you again for coming on for this week's Strut Report, and best luck to you for your, your final tag in Georgia.
3: Well, Thank you, Jacob. I appreciate it. I enjoy your show. All
0: right, guys, and next on the line we've got Marvin Morgan coming in from the low country of South Carolina. Marvin, to kind of give us a report, kind of start us off, What's the gobbling activity been like for you and for other people in the low country from what you've talked to, uh, over this last few days and this week?
4: Well, for, uh, for me, it's been pretty slow. Um, one day I did not hear a bird at all. Uh, the weather's been pretty cold, um, windy and tough conditions. Uh, I have talked to a few buddies later on this week who, once the sun popped out, birds have started to gobble pretty good. Um, Nothing's really on fire from what I can tell, but um but starting to pick up.
0: Fantastic. Well, kind of keep us going, uh you know, right now from what you're experiencing along with some of your buddies as well in kind of this uh, area of South Carolina, um, you know, right now are the birds or the gobblers still kinda of hind up right now, are they still in these bigger flocks or are you starting to see and hear reports of them kind of separating?
4: They're they're separating some. Um I wouldn't say they're lone, but not in the big, you know, thirty 30- forty bird flocks. They're they're more than two gobblers with five to ten hens or something like that, you know.
0: All right. And also can you explain what kind of habitat are you hunting down in the low country of South Carolina? And also what kind of habitat right now are these turkeys really wanting to stick to?
4: Yeah, mostly um where I hunt here in the low country is uh river bottoms and planted pines. Uh pretty much the same thing you see most of the southeast. Um, right now, I haven't seen much action in the pines. Everything looks like it's still sticking to the river bottom, scratching out the last few of the oaks, uh, acorns, and whatnot.
0: What has uh, or what hasn't been both, you know, what has and what hasn't been working for you so far with season coming in uh, down in the low country? Uh, and any kind of final tips for anybody that's hunting South Carolina in the low country so far?
4: Yeah, I mean, so far, like I said, I haven't hunted much this week. This once, and, uh, really nothing was working for me. Um, at the weather conditions, but the people I know that have been successful are setting up in those
5: strut, strut games
4: and uh, being patient and waiting them out. Um, they're being tight around, So that's about the only uh, scenario I've heard of really paying off right this month.
0: All right, perfect. Well, Marvin, thank you again for coming on for this week's Strut Report, and best of luck to you for the rest of your season. Yeah, thank you, sir. All right, guys, and next on the line, we've got Shane Martin coming in from Central Mississippi. Shane, to kind of kick us off, what's the gobbling activity been like for you in Central Mississippi lately?
5: It's been really, really slow for me. I, I have actually yet to hear hear a gobble, a definite gobble. You know, I've heard what I thought was some, you know, further off and work, kind of worked towards them and never could get on one. So uh, it, it's been really rough this year, the weather, the, you know, wind, rain the cold snap, so it's it's been tough so far but
6: uh
5: hoping and i've kind of heard that they uh kind of turned back on monday and i kind of figured they would with the way that the weather was but i had to work really late uh didn't get to get after or anything so uh, we'll uh we'll see maybe it'll be better this weekend so
0: yep well, to kind of kick us off a little bit more, you know, from what you've kind of seen, heard, and also just heard from other buddies and stuff in central Mississippi, uh, right now are these gobblers still kind of in these big winter flocks? Are they still kind of hind up right now, or are you getting more reports and seeing more lone gobblers?
5: Uh, kind of a little bit of both. I, I've, it seems like to me that they're still kind of hand up. You know, I, I'm not going to say like big winter flocks, but I know, you know, the ones that I have seen, had hens with them, and, and, you know, it might not be with two or three uh, hens, but uh, it seems like they're still still kind of hinned up. And I know some guys are starting to see some gobblers on their own, you know, and, and call them up, but, you know, it seems like they're coming in silent or, you know, kind of looping around. Uh, it, but it, it it seems like they're, they're still maybe a little flopped up.
0: Now, Shane, if you would explain, what kind of habitat are you hunting in in central Mississippi? And also, what kind of habitat are these turkeys really want to stick to this time of the year?
5: Uh, I'm mainly hunting, you know, like pines and um, creek hardwood bottoms. Uh, just kind of rolling to rank hills. Uh, and it seems like they're sticking to the creek bottoms where I'm at. And then there are some, like, pastures around uh and I've seen a few out in the pastures, at, you know, later in the day, uh, as I've been coming out or, or, you know, uh, just traveling back home and stuff. But, uh, it really, really seems like they're sticking maybe to the fields or in the creek bottoms. Um, but I have the, I, I did get on bird last Monday, I guess it was opening day, uh, late afternoon. And he was, he was up in the woods strutting and, uh, I, I never saw any other birds with him he seemed like he was by himself and when i laid down on the ground just kind of crawled to him he started coming just from hearing me crawl on the leaves he never said a word never gobbled but he came straight in got to hear him strut and i got to hear him drum he just popped out on the wrong side of the tree passed me at about eight yards i never never got a shot on him so
6: the, uh,
5: yeah it it was it was a tough pill to swallow but it was uh, you know, it was good to get on one open day, but it's been downhill from there. So.
0: Now, what is, again, you've, you've talked a little bit about, you know, it's been kind of a struggle, especially with the lack of gobbles. I mean, you know, what's kind of your plan to kind of right the ship? And also just maybe share with the listeners just what's not been working for you so far? Uh,
5: so far, I've just, I've, I've really been going and checking new spots. And, you know, and right now I'm, I'm mainly... I'm just hunting, you know, on the weekend and on the afternoons I can get off work in time. I'll go right out and kind of check a new spot and walk around. And like I said, I have gotten on a bird like that last week, but it's uh, I'm just going to keep checking spots and looking for fresh sign and, and uh, wait for him to kind of uh, get away from his hands a little bit and go to Goblin. And hopefully, hopefully then we can put
1: something together.
0: Perfect. Well, Shane, thanks again for coming on this week's Strut Report and best of luck to you for the rest
1: of your season. All right, man. You too. I appreciate it. Every outdoorsman understands the importance of a great knife and we all appreciate U.S. craftsmanship. Bladeswork Unlimited has created a community of bladesmiths to provide you a custom knife that will last generations. Whether you're looking for the perfect knife to use in the field or a new addition to your kitchen cutlery, Bladeswork Unlimited has you covered. Check out their online inventory of custom knives or work directly with one of their 25 plus custom bladesmiths to build your dream knife with the build a blade program. Start by choosing your blade style, steel type, and handle material along with everything in between all the way down to the sheath. Speak directly with the bladesmith building your knife to fine tune your exact wishes. Jacob and I both own custom knives and have experienced the benefits of custom work with attention to detail, and Bladeswork Unlimited provides that to their customers. Use the code SOUTHERNOUTDOORS, all one word, at checkout to receive a discount on your custom order. Visit bladeswork.com or go to the link in the description and get a knife tougher than you. If you live in the South, you get to rifle hunt more than pretty much the rest of the country. With all that rifle hunting can come a lot of damage to your hearing. We all know we need to be protecting our hearing when we're gun hunting, but the use of traditional hearing equipment is not ideal. That rut crazed buck might only give you a split second to get a shot off through the pines, which is never enough time to get your hearing protection on. We all know a suppressor is ideal for that situation, but buying one has always been a long, difficult process until Silencer Central. Silencer Central is the creator of a revolutionary process which silences headaches and hassles. The process is simple and makes sense. It's a process that begins with paperwork without the work and ends with Silencer Central delivering your silencer right to your door. That's right, right to your door. They take care of the government paperwork for you and then send you your silencer when it's ready. Sound too good to be true? Well, learn more about Silencer Central's easy buying process at silencercentral.com or give them a call at 888-988-8179. All
0: right, guys, and next on the line, we've got Connor Gray coming in from the upstate zone of South Carolina. Connor, to kind of kick us off, dude, what has the gobbling activity been like for you and some of your buddies up there in the zone that y'all are in, waiting for season to come in?
6: Right now, we feel like it's been pretty tight-lipped. Just driving around, you see the gobblers; they seem pretty hand up. They're in the middle of the fields. There's probably twenty of them. Um, because of this, we feel like they've been pretty quiet. They're still together. So that's kind of like the one of the challenges for like our season when it comes up is birds being quiet.
0: Yeah, so definitely, like you were saying, uh, you know, birds are, seem to be fairly, uh, are pretty hinned uh, up right now. They're kind of in these bigger flocks, which is sure is going to be a little challenging for kind of season to come in. But what kind of habitat do you hunt in in uh, your zone of South Carolina? And also, what kind of habitat do these turkeys really like to stick to, especially early on in the season?
6: Where I live in the upstate, it's not as much as farmland as it is in the
0: lower state.
6: So a lot of times it's hardwoods or like, pine properties and so most of the time whatever I'm for I'm I'm trying to find a creek bottom hardwoods and that's that's typically where I do well is looking for those main spots
0: and you know kind of walk us through what is your game plan for opening day and kind of how are you going to prepare for it
6: I'll probably try to go out a day or two before and whether it's sit there in the morning and wait to see if I hear birds of the particular spot I'm wanting to go to if they're not there, I might move along. A lot of the properties in the upstate of South Carolina, it's it's not big parcels. A lot of times it's like 50 acres or smaller. So the birds, if they're not there, like I'll have to go to a different spot. But that doesn't mean they won't be there in the future. So it's just kind of like hit or miss. You got you to gotta find where the birds are at for us. That's, that's probably one of the harder things to do.
0: Well, Connor, thank you again for coming on for this week's Strut Report, and best luck to you for this coming season.
6: Yes, sir, appreciate it. All right,
0: guys, and next coming on, a uh, returning guest of the Short Report. we got Ricky Bullard coming on, uh, representing Southeast Georgia. Ricky, to kind of kick us off, uh, what's the gobbling activity been like the last few days uh, in Southeast Georgia?
7: Uh, where I've been at, it's actually been kind of poor. Um, right off on the limb, as I've heard no gobbling the last three mornings. About 9.30, 9.30 or so, they're starting up, and today I didn't hear the first one until about 10 minutes, till 10, 10 o'clock once uh once they start though um if you're if you're in them like today I have one goblin from nine forty five to eleven ten uh I actually called him in twice, but he just uh i think he had hens i think he was with hens and I just couldn't see him, but he just kept on looping around me <laughs>
0: you know right now are you finding a lot of these goblins kind of still hind up with birds and kind of in these flocks or are they starting to separate
7: yeah they're 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 still with hens uh i i didn't I didn't know for sure like the first monday when i went out um kind of a late morning midday hunt heard one gobble at nine thirty, and uh then he, i mean that was just one time he was gobbling at a crow and he wouldn't respond to me but now i think i know why he was with hens but then today um every gobbler i heard he was responding or every gobbler i interacted with he was responding to me but they just you know they were just kind of doing their thing they were going where they were going and in my experience when they're doing that, it means they have ends with them.
0: Also, can you explain what's the, the kind of habitat that you are hunting in, in South, uh, East Georgia and what kind of habitat are these turkeys really sticking to right now while they're kind of still hinned up?
7: Yeah. So all the places I hunt are, it's a lot of river swamp and hardwood swamps off creeks and stuff. And, um, so it's just kind of open, kind of open water oaks with a lot of palmetto's mixed in by ankle deep water, pretty much everywhere. You might have some high Oak strands, um, that are kind of dry. But I mean, they're, they're definitely in the water. Yeah. He, that one today, he was just, uh, he was walking kind of a higher spot in the water. He was still in water. He was just in a little bit less deep water than where I was at. I think that's why he didn't want to come any closer.
0: And they're pretty much sticking to that kind of habitat right now this time of the year.
7: Yeah. I've been checking like the select cut pines and some of the clear cuts and I haven't seen any birds out in that stuff. They've all been in the, in the swamps for the most part.
0: What's been kind of working for you or maybe not working for you so far since season has come in in Georgia?
7: So uh, I've been trying to hunt near some cow pastures and stuff, but um, even the birds that are typically in the pastures on private land, they're in the swamps right now. So I don't know if that's just, they're scooping up the, the last bit of acorns or if that's just where they want to be. We've had kind of, the weather's been kind of poor. It's been really windy. Um, and those hardwood swamps that like i said they're they're open enough to where they feel safe in there so they'll they could i mean they could stay in there all day from fly down to fly up and they feel pretty pretty safe but the one the gobbler i got on today like i said i called him in twice had him within 100 yards two times but um he was responding to me and then whenever he would shut up i would take my box call and i would gobble and i would cut myself off i would cut on my mouth call and he would uh that drove him crazy, and he—I could tell he was kind of wanting to come back. And then I'd hear the hinge open; he, he would stay with them. Um, but I think he—he's just not ready. Another, another couple of days, maybe a week. I think I'll be able to pull him away.
0: And I was going to ask—you know—what's kind of a tip you'd leave the listeners? Maybe guys are going through that same situation right now. You know, what can they do either to—you know—kind of put a—you know—check mark on that bird to come back later, or how to work that bird? If there's someone's going through a similar situation as what you've been going through the last few days.
7: Well, I would say probably you, you really, you got two options. You try to go find another bird who is not end up, maybe, you know, try to find one of those dumb two year olds. Everybody dreams about that doesn't have hens with them or, um, like today, for instance, the one I'm going to go back and get on in the morning, I kind of got an idea of what, what they were doing. So I'm going to try to get in front of him. So if the hens are carrying him away, I'm going to try to cut him off, um, that's easier said than done when you're trying to sloth through water, but um, I just don't think, you know, I don't think I'm going to be able to call them away from them right now, not not this early in the game.
0: Well, thanks again for uh, this week's uh, start report, Ricky, and best of luck to you in Georgia's season.
7: Yes, sir. Thank you. You too.
0: All right, guys, and next on the line, we've got Adam Bice coming in from Central Alabama. Adam, to kind of kick us off, uh, what has the gobbling activity been like for you since opening day in Alabama?
8: Um, it's been a little bit sporadic. Uh, the first two days, uh, we opened on Saturday. Um and I, I got
0: in some birds on Saturday morning and it
8: was uh it was really good um up until the time that I left at about seven fifteen. Um I, I killed a bird at seven that morning, but I had birds all around me gobbling on the roost. Um and then Sunday was uh, wasn't quite as great on the roost, but we, we got in on a couple of gobblers that were really fired up um about eight o'clock on Sunday morning. Um then since then, on Monday, Tuesday, and this morning, it's been a little bit slow. I've really only gotten on one bird in the last three days that was that was w- willing to talk. Um, and I got him called up pretty close this morning, just couldn't close the deal. But uh, it's been, like I said, that first morning was really, really, really good. And then the next day was average to above average. And then it's been a little bit slower the last three days. Um, don't know if that has to do with the weather or the cloudy, the, sky, or the cloud cover in the mornings. You know, turkeys are turkeys. They kind of do weird things. But uh, it's been okay. It just hasn't. It hasn't been slow, but it hasn't been just burning it up since opening day either.
0: Well, one thing that's kind of funny is you talked about how opening day was so good for you. I know so many people like Andrew that went out opening day, um, and it was you know terrible just because of wind conditions and everything else. You just couldn't hear anything. So that's kind of cool. Right. to Kind of get that perspective from you, so dude, you must have been all in them for that to happen.
8: I, I got I got down in a in a big creek bottom that morning, um, so I was a little bit out of the wind. And it just so happened they were they were roosted on that ridge and uh, I, I called a hen in to me first thing at daylight and that's kind of what set me up man I, she got to cackling and I got going back and forth with her and uh, the place just lit up right before fly down but uh i yeah I was not quite in that wind because I did get down in that hole that
0: morning. Man, but I could
8: see where that wind would have hurt some people.
0: Yeah, hunting smart. Well, hey, uh, kind of go to the second question. And, again, you probably have a good idea of this. You know, right now, are these gobblers still fairly hind up and kind of in some of these winter flocks, these larger flocks? Or are you starting to see a little bit more kind of these lone gobblers kind of separating from these hens?
8: Uh, I, I, Man, I'm telling you that every every bird that I've seen so far has been with hens. Every gobbler I've seen, I've uh, I put my eyes on counting the opening morning. Opening morning was, was a little bit drastic. I saw – five that morning all right before right at fly down but uh the next day uh, i took a buddy out videoed and called one up for him and there was three gobblers in that group but there was about six hens with them this morning i had a gobbler with hens that i couldn't quite drag them away from but they all seemed to be pretty hent up still so a little hard to separate them but you know got lucky a couple times
0: Now, what kind of habitat are you hunting in to kind of explain to the listeners, uh, you know, kind of what kind of habitat is this that you're hunting in? But also, what kind of habitat are these turkeys really wanting to stick to this time of the season?
8: Yeah, so I mean, I'm central Alabama, so anybody that's from around here, they they know what's happening. Uh, It's it's a lot of pine plantation, um, a lot of clear cut, SMZ type stuff. Um, My main property is uh, in Etauga County, and we actually have. A West side of the property and east side of the property and those two sides are totally different from one another Uh, The east side of the property is a lot more hilly ridges valleys um, big SMZs because of the steep drop-offs on the ridges So those bottoms get pretty deep and pretty wide and then on the other side of the property as you get closer to the river um, It flattens out a lot. So it's a lot more pine a lot less um, a lot less SMVs just as far as how big they are um those pines got thinned about three and a half years ago so they're starting to get a little bit thick which makes it a little bit harder hunting on that side of the property but i mean it's just typical alabama uh, alabama uh terrain um most of the turkeys that i've seen so far have been roosted on the big on the ridges um getting up a little bit higher and roosting in those hardwoods still and uh then being ended up in those hardwood bottoms early in the mornings um grubbing getting where they can get in those strut zones we don't have a whole lot of open area on our place not a lot of cutovers right now uh small food plots so the, the place that they like to strut the most are on those knolls and ridges where they can be seen a little bit it seems and uh, that's what i've seen this year kind of based based on what i've seen now in history
0: and kind of go to our last question you know what kind of worked for you opening day i know you talked about it a little bit so far but also over those last uh you know four days or so after opening day you know what's been working for you, but what's not been working for you that you can kind of share with the listeners.
8: The thing that I think has worked for me the most, this is the the two birds that I've gotten to see get killed, and um, a couple of birds that I killed last year that I, I just kind of picked up on, and I guess it's because I'm new or whatever. But being able to 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 when they're hinned up like this, getting those hens fired up, and seeing if you can call them to you instead of calling the gobbler to you. Um, that's been something that I've done a couple of times in the last two seasons, and uh, it's it's really helped me out. You know, if you could ever get a hen to respond to you, and, and just, I literally just mimic exactly what she does. Uh, that opening morning hunt, I heard a couple of them gobbling right at daylight, and I kind of eased down into that bottom, like I said. Got out of the wind, and those gobblers kind of quit right before fly down, but I did a little soft tree yelp, A hen that was still on the roost answered me. And I started yelping back at her, and she would yelp back at me. And I ended up getting her a little bit fired up and started cutting and
6: cackling with her.
8: And she ended up flying out of the tree straight to me, coming to look for me. She started, she just kept on clucking, looking, you know, how they do. They'll be looking for somebody and clucking and a little yelp here and there. I don't know if all that commotion got all those gobblers' attention, but it seemed like every gobbler I had, I had birds coming from different directions, coming from my north, my east, my west, coming to find us two hens and then when i called up that turkey for my buddy on sunday they were henned up in a food plot and we eased around on the other side of them and again got one of those hens fired up and she came in leading the way looking and those three gobblers ended up coming right behind her um, all the way to us ended up putting on a great show about eight yards in front of my buddy strutted for about four minutes so we could get a shot but i think that's the one thing that I, i've used to my advantage the most is is just calling the hens when the gobblers won't move. That That's probably the one thing that I say has helped me more than anything this year.
0: Well, perfect. Well, Adam, man, thanks for coming on for this week's Strut Report, and best of luck to you and filling your rest of your tags in the state of Alabama.
8: Yeah, I appreciate it, Jacob. All
0: right, guys, and next on the line, we've got Daniel Gross coming in from North Georgia. Daniel, to kick us off for North Georgia, what has the gobbling activity been like so far for this season?
9: Man, first of all, thanks for having me on the Strut Report. Big fan here, and uh, it's a privilege to be on here but uh, yeah, uh, opening day uh, really was well compared to previous years. Uh, you kind of expect opening day to be a little a little fired up, or at least I do. You know, you're always keyed up to get that first gobble under your belt. That's always a big big sigh of relief, let you know you're in the right area at least. Uh, but uh, me and my wife headed out opening day, which is the 20th of March uh, this year. Well, third Saturday in March in Georgia. It was it was super chilly. It was like 34 degrees, zero wind. Uh, just really, just a calm morning, and we heard the first gobble right around seven forty-five. Is is when we heard it. Uh, you know, g- gray light getting getting uh, sunrise coming up. It was about seven fifteen, so we got in there really early. And and uh, yeah, he was he was hammering pretty consistently. I would say on his own, you know, maybe every every fifteen minutes, kind of let letting us know where he was. Uh, to come, you know, come to find out, he was he was definitely roosted very close to hens. So that was probably probably one of the reasons. But, yeah, uh, pretty responsive to the call, uh, just kind of, you know, a hend up early-season Georgia bird <laughs> for, for the most part.
0: Now, one thing we'll talk about, because you tagged out in Georgia, which you're the, I'm trying to think, uh, well, you're, we got one other guy that we had that we interviewed for this week's episode, uh, which is actually the last interview for this podcast, who he's uh, okay. about, hopefully going to kill his fifth bird on uh, in the state of Alabama tag out on Friday. But before, wow. we, yeah, before we do that um, and, and kind of talk a little bit more, since opening day, how has the gobbling activity been for you guys?
9: Uh, in, in my area, I, I'm in uh, not giving too much away. I'm I'm in the Dalton, uh, Dalton area, which is right in the northwest corner of Georgia. And and for for me personally, it's it's been pretty. I, I would say I would say above average for this time of year. We've had some, uh, been blessed with some decent weather. You know, getting getting rid of the rainy days and getting some of those bluebird days has definitely helped. But I would say every time I've been, which is uh, three times since we've only been open for four days. The gobble's been pretty consistent. Uh, The the day I tagged out where I got my double was the first gobble was at seven oh five, so it was it was early, consistent. Uh, Yeah, I mean it was it's pretty superb to be honest with you. Very very blessed so far.
0: (laughs) Perfect, dude. Well, kind of get into the second question, which you touched on a little bit, but uh, we'll dive into it a little bit more. You know, since opening day from the turkeys that you've been on, you know, are they still fairly flocked up? Or are they pretty hinned up, these gobblers? Or are you starting to find more of these lone gobblers out there?
9: Oh, yeah, for sure, man. Uh, whenever I was scouting uh, the week previous to the opener, I, I was noticing that what I was coming across is uh, the two strutters that I ended up hunting opening day with my wife. They were, they were still hanging out with a group of five or six jakes. Uh, I did run across a hen going deeper into the property. I saw a lone hen cruising around. Uh, late morning, but for for the most part, both scenarios where I was able to, to get a bird would definitely encountered hens, you know, right from the get-go, I mean, right from fly down, you could tell that, that they knew where they were going, definitely grouped up, and uh, the strategy, the strategy was definitely, uh, <laughs> you had to switch up your game, especially early season, man, when you're dealing with hens, it's it's the ultimate competition for a turkey hunter is a live hen, right, so
0: and that's, we're uh, we're gonna the go game of it. yeah, we're gonna go over that as one of the last questions. We'll talk a little bit more about what helps you be successful, especially when hunting. You know these kind of flocked up turkeys. But before we get to that, what kind of habitat are okay. you hunting in uh, in North Georgia? Can I give us a little lowdown of like what is it, what is it like up there? And also, what kind of habitat are these gobblers and these turkeys really liking early on in the season?
9: Yes, sir. So uh, anybody familiar with the area, North Georgia you know we're we're the foothills right here uh you know you got plenty of ridges mountains uh creek bottoms you've got a, a mix of of a few green fields you know we don't we're not known for anything you know big ag or anything around where i live so uh if you come across a like a cow pasture uh definitely mark it on your map that's a that's a prime area right now uh any kind of green field we're uh the biggest challenge here where we hunt right now is of course we're we're not very green probably like most of the people uh in the state right now turkey hunting so you really got to pick your cover wisely. There's not a lot of foliage to hide behind. You you can't get up and move on a bird like you'd like to later, maybe in in April or May here. Uh, But, yeah, uh, I'm finding birds definitely like in the open areas right now, Uh, getting with the hens early, like I mentioned, off a roost, making sure they're seen, uh, getting their business done. And and then then later in the day, my strategy has been moving towards the hardwoods where you're finding that fresh scratch in the dust bowls, uh, feathers, you know, that, that kind of thing. It's, but yeah, I would say Creek bottoms, hardwoods, and, and a lot of mountain ranges here where I'm from.
0: Well, Daniel, to kind of wrap us up, can you explain and kind of give some of the tips and stuff? How have you been successful, especially this year, hunting kind of flocked up birds, hen up gobblers. How have you been successful, you know, working with those scenarios and be able to tag out in the state of Georgia?
9: Yes, sir. Yeah. I, I've never tagged out this early. I, I, I officially tagged out yesterday, which was, uh, the fourth day of season. So it was, it was odd. I mean, it was a it was a fun ride while it lasted. But now I'm kind of looking forward to some out of state trips. But yeah, um, my strategy definitely swapped up opening day. Like I mentioned, we went with uh, took my wife out, and the game plan was to to film her take a bird on. A, we were on private ground, and like like I mentioned, it was a big creek bottom with a couple ridges mixed in that fed over to a, a big cow pasture with a, with an opposing ridge on the opposite side. Well, the birds were were roosted like they w- had been historically on that ridge side, overlooking the the green field. And you know, wouldn't you know it? Hens pitch down, gobblers pitch down, jakes pitch down. They're kind of all doing their thing. We actually witnessed a, a tom breed a hen, which is something I've never seen in real life uh, hunting here in Georgia. That was pretty spectacular. Of course, my wife had no idea what we were watching. How cool it was, but, but, uh, but yeah, man. The the strategy went from you know just going after that lone bird to you know how can I break these these strutters off this group? And after really they did their business there in the field the hens and the jakes worked right up right up to us and the strutters went right back up to the ridge to those you know those hardwood ridges that they like to hang out in all day so the strategy that I found success with here early season is is being a little bit more aggressive and pushing the issue uh more than I probably would later season when when you're just hunting those those broken off gobblers that the hens are on nests and that's kind of the ideal situation but but yeah I had to I had to drop vest and camera and take the gun and and haul up the ridge and end up uh walking right up on top of them behind a uh just a, a fallen over tree and was lucky enough to get a shot hiding using the terrain to my advantage uh the second the second turkeys well the two turkeys I shot you can get three in Georgia this year as it's been in past years but uh pretty much the same thing the Toms pitched down uh super early uh, you know, first gobble was at 7.04. I, I would say I heard them pitch probably 7.45, 8 o'clock. Went right to a hen. That was, uh, you know, competition between the live hens. Never never a fun thing when the gobblers wither. But uh, waited waited for them to do their thing. And, and like I did on that first bird, I, I got up from my setup, left the decoys, left the vest, you know, took a diaphragm and shotgun and and just hauled, hauled it into the hardwoods, uh, tripping over sign everywhere where they had been scratching and gobbling all morning. Uh, ended up busting a turkey. Uh, I don't, never could make out what it was, whether it was was the hen or one of the gobblers. But busted it. Uh, kind of felt disheartened and was walking back to my original setup, uh, really just to to take a break and and hang out before I walked out for the morning. I was about to call my dad. Shotgun to the left, not even holding it, and and uh, those two birds uh, decoyed right into the to the setup. So I was able to use the the big oak tree that was in front of me. uh uh, i made a move and dropped the hammer on a single shot 20 and and was able to take two birds with with one stone as they say so it was it was awesome but yeah i mean the the key to success in georgia i would say this spring early season is is to be aggressive uh stay with it you know even if a bird has a hen, you know stay with them until they break off because they will break off eventually and you can capitalize on that pretty pretty easily so
0: Perfect, Daniel. Well, thanks again for coming on uh, this week's chart report. And hey, congratulations on again tagging out in Georgia. Maybe you can go to a couple other states, or maybe at least one more, and have uh, a little bit longer for turkey season for you.
9: Yes, sir. We're we're going to give her a go,
0: and good luck to all the all the Georgia boys out there. I, I appreciate the opportunity. All right, guys, and next on the line, we've got our buddy Jacob Emery, who uh, lives in Kentucky, but he's been hunting Alabama the last few days, so he's going to have us a pretty cool report from Alabama, coming in from north-central Alabama. Jacob, to kind of kick us off, my man, what was the gobbling activity like for you the last few days while you were hunting down here in Alabama?
2: Well, it started off pretty dang hot, um, uh, and it seemed like the weather and the wind, the, uh, the rain coming in kind of later in uh, Tuesday and, and Wednesday. Uh, kind of shut them down. We actually didn't hear, but two turkeys gobbled on public the whole uh, three days that we were there, three mornings, um, and one of them died.
0: Well, of course, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into the one that died because, again, I, I, was, I was pretty impressed, my brother. But I want to get to this next question. The turkeys that y'all were hunting up there uh, on, on, this, on this public land, on this land, were they fairly hinned up, these gobblers, were they fairly hind up and still in these flocks, or were you finding more lone gobblers?
2: every single bird that we come across um, the past three days has had at least a few hens with him. Um, even, you know, driving around going to grab something to eat in town uh, on the private land, every single group of birds that we saw had some hens with him. Um, uh, the bird that I did end up killing, he had, he had hens uh, roosted with him as well. Um, we bumped a couple turkeys walking in uh, that had some, uh, You know, five or six hens roosted with him. I'm just assuming one of them was a longbeard. Busted a group of turkeys out of the trees that were all grouped up together and um, had a couple come through, a bunch of – had four longbeards come through today on us and couldn't get a shot at those, and those as well had, I think, five or six hens with them.
0: All right, perfect. I mean, kind of getting to the next question, what kind of habitat were you all kind of hunting in, and also what kind of habitat type were these turkeys really liking to stick to?
2: Uh, Pretty hilly country, uh, turning into some pretty serious mountain country. Um, The turkeys tend to be lower right now, uh, hanging out, roosting just above the creek bottoms, and uh, most of the sign that we're finding is in the creek bottoms. Um, For the most part, there's a little bit of scratching, a little bit higher up, but uh, nothing like right now where everything's starting to green up for sure.
0: And to kind of get to our last question, you know, what worked for you? First off, you, you killed a bird and just kind of, you know, not really any foreshadowing, I'm just going to say, you killed a bird the first morning you were down there, get down there, I think you said like at 1 a.m. or some crap like that, and went out and killed a bird opening morning. What helped you be successful that hunt? And also, I know you had some pretty close encounters uh, a few days later. You know, kind of walk us through what was working for you guys and also maybe what wasn't working.
2: Man, it's tough to say. I think what made me successful on that was just kind of some pre- uh, pre-scouting, just checking out Onyx, dropping some pins and kind of those spots where you're like, man, there's got to be a bird there. And, uh, once he did start gobbling, uh, making moves fast to get to him, you know, because everybody knows these birds end up early season. Uh, it's, it's pretty tough to kill them in general. So if you're going to do it, you better get close to him and, and, uh, make your move while you can. Uh, I think that's what worked for me on that hunt was just getting close enough to him to
4: know I was there
0: and, um. Uh,
2: he actually hit the ground before any of his hens and uh, come strolling in.
0: Oh, awesome. Well, dude, uh appreciate you coming on for this week's strut report. Best of luck to you. I know you got a long season ahead of you with a few other states you'll be going to, but best of luck to you for the rest of the season. And I, I promise you, I know we're going to have you back on for um, uh, some future strut reports as well. But, uh, dude, congratulations on your Alabama bird and off to the next state. All
2: right. Thanks, bud.
0: Next on the line is a, a good friend of the podcast and a good buddy, old Jared Smith from Central Alabama, uh, who's already been on fire, which we'll talk about a little bit later uh, in part of this truck Report interview. Uh, but, Jared, I've got to start you off, my man. What's the gobbling activity been like for you uh, since opening day in Alabama?
10: Jacob, my man, what's up, buddy? It's good talking to you again. Um, you know, opening day, I had one gobble four times, and uh, that was Saturday. He gobbled four times, and then he came on in, you know, pretty early, around 7 o'clock, so I didn't hear no more after that, and then the next day, uh, I had one gobbled probably 20 times. I thought it was a two-year-old, and he walked a ridge, and he he come to me a little bit, about a 100 yards from me, and it was quiet, and then all of a sudden, he gobbled again, and it was a little bit further away, so it was a clear path to me wasn't nothing stopping him but he didn't want to come in so he made a big old loop and went 300 yards away and he gobbled again so i went after him and i set up and called and nothing i didn't hear nothing you know so i decided to to kind of like go back to where i started from and um he gobbled again it was a little bit closer but to the left about 100 yards And lost him again. I sat there and waited and waited. Nothing, nothing. I was like, oh, man, he's gone. Out of the clear blue, that sucker come through some thick pines and come around the backside of me and was 10 yards from me on a little, like a deer trail. It blew my mind. He would go through that thick stuff and make that loop around when he had a clear path to me. And he come around, and I saw that beard swinging. I just, I was kind of like, I was sitting down in in a little pine thicket. He just walked away from me, and I shot him in the back of the head. And uh, but he gobbled he gobbled twenty times. That that and he was a good four year old, so he gobbled like a two year old. Um, the next one, the next day, uh, had that morning. He was on the limb, and I called to him. Nothing, nothing. I could hear somebody owl hooting, and he shut up. Another guy started owl hooting you know, like a couple hundred yards away. A different guy. I had a NFL buddy with me, and he was 30 yards behind me. And he texted me, said, I see a hen. And we couldn't you know, talk, so he was—he just texted me. And I looked at my phone, and I looked up, and there was a, another hen in front of me, a whole different one. I looked down at my phone again, and there he was, a big old gobbler sitting there. I shot him at 40 yards and uh, actually had to shoot him one-handed because I had my phone in my left hand. It was almost a big mistake. And I shot him one-handed. And he had three beards, man. One of the biggest turkey of my life. And then uh, yesterday, I had one come in silent with a hen, and uh, he never made a sound, never gobbled nothing, man. So I've been hearing, I've been hearing a lot of gobbling a couple of weeks ago, a lot more gobbling. But Sundays, when I heard that one gobble twenty times, and that was pretty awesome. Other than that, other than that, that's about it. I didn't go today. But I can, I'll see tomorrow what they're doing.
0: Well, the funny thing is, for anyone that might not be following along with you, uh, y- you've already killed four birds. You killed four birds in four days, which is uh, uh, pretty impressive. I mean, you gave, them, you gave those turkeys, poor turkeys a break today, keeping from tagging out so far uh, this season. But uh, I'm sure that won't uh, last very long if I had a guess, knowing you since you're a little turkey killer. But we're going to get a little bit more into that and some of your tips and everything a little bit later on in this uh, kind of little interview. But I want to ask you about, Right now, are you still seeing some of these gobblers, are they fairly flocked up and hinned up right now, or are you seeing more lone gobblers out there, and especially some of the ones that you've called in and killed the last few days?
10: Yeah, absolutely. They've been together, man. Uh, they've had hens, but they're together too. They're all together, and they're not separated yet. Just about every flock I've seen has multiple gobblers in it, and jakes. That's, you know, the jakes and the gobblers is what I've been seeing and with the hens. And I've seen them several times. They're not really separated yet. one yesterday was by itself, but they're still together right now. they they fixing to separate where I'm hunting at, central Alabama.
0: Well, let's hop in. I'm really curious on this question. You know, what kind of habitat are you hunting in, uh, in general? And then also, what kind of habitat are these turkeys and these gobblers really wanting to stick to early on in the season from what you've been seeing?
10: Select cut pines is what I hunt. Um, I hunt that a lot, basically, because um, that's all I got, really. Um, I hunt some hardwoods, I like the edges, a lot of hardwoods, creek bottoms, but if you find sled cut pines, uh, you know, short pines, they like short pines, They, I just hunt mostly pines, what I've always been known for, everybody calls me the pine thicket master and stuff because I hunt them pines like crazy, but that's really because I grew up hunting them, you know, that's all we had, a lot of timber companies and stuff like that, and just always hunting them pines, but um. You find them, they'll, they'll walk in deer trails like you wouldn't believe. It's It shocked me when I first learned this. They'll walk in them, them, them trails and them thick pines. You'd think they'd never go in. And I kept jumping them, you know, scouting and stuff. i jump them in them pines. I said, man, they like this stuff. But they do, they really do. I've never been a, a field person. I've never had the luxury of hunting farms and different big fields like that, right there, open country. I've just hunted a lot of thick, tight spots. Especially around creeks, you know, with some hardwoods dropping around, you know, a little bit around them. Uh, you know, different. Like if you can hunt dirt roads, they're they're good. Anything like that's what I love, man. Just mostly pines and any kind of uh, draws, and funnels, stuff like that. But I hunt a lot of ridges too, especially on the forest land. Uh, I walk them ridges and look for scratching, listen for sign. Another thing I do is I don't um, uh, I don't owl hoot. I don't try to really make them gobble. I just I just sit there and and wait until I hear something. Let Mother Nature take his course and then go from there. See, you know, see what they're doing. Uh, there's so many other people. Owl hooting and crows and real owls, all that stuff. You know. I just I just sit back and listen. Then go from there. If I hear one gobble, I'll go as close as I can to him. They, they love water. People, you know, don't really, they love water. Any kind of dry spots in swamps and flooded areas, they'll walk them. That's really basically it. That's what I really hunt.
0: Yeah, well, I want to get over to one of our final questions. This is one I really want you to pick apart. And you talked a little bit about, um, you know, how you don't like using locator calls. You really want the gobblers, the turkeys to gobble on their own. Um, and that's probably a really good thing, especially if you're hunting pressure land, whether you're hunting high-pressure public or private you know, kind of letting them do their own thing and kind of playing it like that. And I want you to talk about that in just a second, but I want you to kind of dive in, you know, what's some tips that, of course, have been working for you, some tactics and tips that's been working for you throughout the years that you can share with the listeners, along with, you know, some of those things that you do on a daily basis while turkey hunting, that maybe the average guy that you see, especially someone that maybe doesn't have nearly as much experience as you is doing and maybe they're doing it all wrong and maybe you can explain some things that they can start doing a little bit better kind of like what you've been doing to help have success while they're out in the woods
10: man my number one tip and I tell everybody this and I've had for years is scouting I mean scouting is the most important thing I scout religiously I don't just go to a spot and hope to hear one I go and I walk I trap I do a lot of trapping I walk roads I walk every spot that has sand and like I've told y'all before, you and Andrew, if I'm squirrel hunting, I'm looking for turkey tracks. If I'm, you know, deer hunting, I can't think about nothing but turkeys. So what I do, I just walk and walk and walk and walk, take a little man, make fun of it. You can scare them. It don't matter. Just walk and look for them. If you find them, they'll be there again the next couple of days. They might be there an hour later. They, they're, you know, they're creatures of habit. Sure, you could flush them out of area, just keep scaring them over and over. But most time they come back because they like that area. What I do is I scout a lot, and I scout preseason. I plan preseason. I always, I always. The reason I kill a lot early, and people are always just blown away because they think I'm just trying to tag out. I'm a numbers guy. I'm not. What I do is I scout, and then I plan. Here's one. Okay. Here's another one. All right. I got this one here. Here's my access. Here's my quiet area to get in there. You know, stay away from your buddies, and stay away from a lot of lot of traffic people, and just kind of plan. And that's what I do. And it's like, you might get them and you might not, but I always just find the sign and I find me a place to sit and start off calling on a hill or something like that. And uh, the best tip that I've ever, I can tell you another tip is whenever I call and I have one gobble, I usually don't call much more because he's heard you. You know, he's heard you, of course. Everybody knows that. Well, he's usually with hens a lot of this time of year. And a lot of times you want to walk and you get bored and you go somewhere and you call and whatever well always come back to that spot always and end your day there i mean once you call and he's heard you and he's with hens and it might take four or five hours you go you know go on and you come back to that spot that turkey's gonna be there it's gonna be that day pretty much i just killed a lot of turkeys right there if you do that tip right there but
0: I know you kill a lot of birds in the afternoon, which is something that's really interesting. Is that part of the reason why? Is because you call someplace in the morning, you come back that afternoon and kill the bird that afternoon?
10: That's one of them, exactly. Then again, work, get off and hunt when you can is another reason. Uh, I always hunt when I can. It's time, you know, time thing. Uh, you got work or whatever, and you come back and just hunt when you can. If you're at the house or something, you're going to kill him. A lot of times in the evenings, I'll walk and walk and walk scouts. I'm mostly scouting during the season i'm scouting with my gun you know just walking and uh find fresh sign i don't call much in the evenings i'll I set up on the sign call a few times scratch the leaves and uh move 40 50 yards do it again real light purring and clucking and stuff like that not much yelping in the evening afternoons and uh just kind of scouting for the next day or whatever and you know god over the years i've killed several several nice long beards over in the afternoon sometimes right at dark sometimes uh right when i'm going out there like get off work and go i'm go to the woods i go out there and i'm walking i'm always looking when i go over a hill or a corner or curve anything i'm always looking keep my mask on the whole time gloves and everything and just keep looking and a lot of times you'll see them. Sometimes they'll be out there and cut over strutting like Dang, Then you just make a plan, whatever, and uh, not ambush them, but you you know set up and then call. And a lot of times they'll break strutting, run right at you, even in the evenings, not say a sound.
0: Well, Jared, I've got to interrupt. I've got to interrupt you about this afternoon hunt. What are some of the biggest mistakes about guys either not hunting the afternoons, or maybe they're hunting afternoons but they're not having any, su- any success? You know, what are some tips you can give them about maybe changing what they're doing or reason why maybe they should start hunting afternoons instead of hunting just until, you know, 10 o'clock or so?
10: Well, if you hunt that morning and you call, like I say, he'll be there. He heard you. He's with hens. and the back of his mind, he's thinking about you the whole time. He might come in there for five seconds, man. He'll come in there, he'll look, and he'll go away. I've seen him just come right over a little hill, look, and go right back. And you know what he was doing. He was looking for that one call that he heard three hours before.
0: All right, Jared, so what is some things that guys can do to have more success in the afternoons? Especially, you know, there's some guys I know personally that just they don't hunt afternoons. Maybe they only hunt till 10 o'clock. They, they leave the afternoons for whatever reason. Uh, they just don't want to spend that much time in the woods. What's some tips on having more success in the afternoons? But also, maybe guys are hunting afternoons and they're just struggling to find, kill, and locate turkeys in the afternoons. What are some tips to be more successful for them as well?
10: Well, in the afternoons, I like to... Um call very light i like to find a spot where you find scat and sign and sit around and wait and just call very little um very light i don't do a lot of yelping and stuff like that i just like to kind of like not deer hunt them but just just kind of be a little bit lazier in the afternoons because they're not as aggressive now if you ever hear one gobble you know cut right back to him cut to him interrupt him and eat you're on his mind always just uh Kind of just be patient and sit around and then always wait towards the evening and then hear where they fly up or they, you know, they might gobble that evening. And another good tip I like to do in the evenings, and I do this a lot, a lot of people do a fly down with their hat or a wing, you know, in the mornings. I do that in the evenings. Uh, right right before dark, I get to a spot and I'll hit my hat on my leg and I'll cackle and I do it. I move ten yards. I do it again. I hit the bushes, and all that's doing is all night long that gobbler sitting on the limb, and he's sitting there thinking, "Man, there's a hen over there. There's a hen over there." Uh, it's driving him crazy. When he wakes up, you do it again. He's coming, man. He just all night long he's thinking about that one hen. He's got fifteen hens with him over you know next tree over, but he's thinking about that one hen. And I do that a lot, and it really works, man. That that. Getty cooler. I wanted that turkey contest that year I did it that day and and uh, it really that's a really good tip and um, Like I told you before one of the best tips I can tell you is Just come back to where you started if you get bored and you walking in and you're trying to run and you know run a gun and find one and it gets towards mid-morning I'd head back to where you started at especially if he's ever answered you because uh, man I killed so many. That guy I told you, I just took, the NFL guy, we took and we walked. And I said, Corey, if you, if you get bored, we'll walk. You know, he said, well, let's just go walk and see if we can find one and get on him. I said, all right, that's that's what everybody wants to do. So we went and, you know, with every hill 300 yards away, I'd call and listen, put your hands over your ears, cup them like that, you know, and just listen real good. And we didn't ever strike one up and we kept walking and we went and set up on a, a little field. And I've killed several turkeys here before, especially mid morning. And uh we sat up there and we was there maybe maybe an hour and I could tell he, he started looking at his phone, he's getting bored. You know, he's he's a football player, a professional football player, and he loves turkey hunting, but he's not that experienced and he's like kinda of restless. So I said, Corey Come on, man. It's in my gut. We're going to go back to where we started. We had that one gobble that morning, and i cut to him. He never did answer me because I told you the people were, you know, Al hooting and all. He was probably just older bird. Well, he was an older bird. I know that for a fact. And uh, sure enough, man, that sucker come right on in there mid-morning. And um, that's, that's probably one of the best tips I could ever tell somebody. Always come back, you know, or stay put. If you can stay put without going crazy and getting so bored, Stay put and uh, that turkey, he'll come in there. Man, I do that almost every hunt I do. Um, I've gotten more aggressive over the years, running and gunning and doing a lot of stuff that I used to not do. I used to sit there and wait more, I'm dark to dark, but now I move a lot. I move around a lot and walk and mostly scouting and kind of looking for new signs that I didn't see the day before. Uh, I'm relentless, man. Everybody knows me. I just stay on them. I just keep walking and walking in roads, walking anywhere I can find. And the more you do that, you'll see well, there wasn't a track there, and you know they don't move much at night. So he'll be there. And I uh, the well, Lord, if I ever find a track, he's pretty much dead the way I look at it. And um, that's that's another thing. You know, just scratch the leaves. Oh, everybody knows that tip, to scratch the leaves and, Purr, cluck, don't over call, don't yelp so loud. Only time I could really call loud is when it's really windy and one's real far away. That's the only time I ever call loud. I barely, I call so light. Uh, That triple beard I killed, he was, I was calling so light, big Cory couldn't hardly hear me, you know, but just a few little purrs and clucks from my mouth call, and that sucker was right there on me. Man. It works every year. I mean, almost every hunt I'm either in on, on a bird or I kill a bird. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It's going to say you're like you said, relentless when it comes to them and you're, just your tactics have worked so well for you, which is just some really hot tips for people to really take notes on. And especially when it comes to hunting afternoons and having a little bit of patience and calling very subtly and kind of softly, like you're saying. Now, one question I have, and then we might wrap it up with that. Um, is the aspect of going back to where you had called from earlier so you, you're you're at a listening knob you hear a bird off in the distance you maybe not terribly far away maybe a couple hundred yards you do some tree yelp something and maybe he responds maybe he doesn't but clearly you think he heard you and nothing happens you go about your morning you come back mid-morning you know around maybe 10 11 o'clock something like that it sounds like you set up when you set up again do you like to call real softly when you set up or do you just sit there quiet?
10: No, I'll call again. I always definitely – I'll call. I'll make a big circle. If, when I first hear him, I'll set it out because uh, I'll wait a while before I leave because, you know, how many times in Alabama they'll come in silent. Um, I'll always give it a couple hours at first, and then when I think he's with hands and nothing's really happening, then, you know, I might make a circle because you stretch your legs and everything and, and see new territory. Well, I always make a big circle or whatever. I always come right back. And I'll set up and put me a little pine limb around me and get comfortable and sit down, eat my peanut butter and jelly. Like I always do, I eat them crustables. That's my good luck. Y'all eat them peanut butter and jelly crustables. And uh, I'll do that, and then I'll just I'll throw some soft calls in in case he's close and scratch the leaves. You know, do my pot call a little something different. Uh, I don't use box call much, but then I'll just wait. And, man, so many times... He'll gobble real close, or he'll come on in. And uh, it's worked worked every year just like that. And uh, that's a deadly, deadly tip, boy.
0: Not not to run us on too long, but I've got to ask because I think people are wondering. You know, first off, uh, how do you stay comfortable sitting that long? I mean, do you use, like, one of those little uh, ground chairs? I know I've got one of those little – it looks like a little mini camp chair, but it's a turkey chair. sits real low to the ground, and, dude, it is so comfortable to sit in. Um, so that's one, that's one thing I want to ask you. And I want you to answer that in just a second, but do you use something like that to sit comfortable? And also how do you stay focused sitting that long waiting for a bird, especially maybe if they're quiet and they're not really gobbling a whole bunch, how do you have the confidence and, and the patience to sit there?
10: Well, the confidence comes with, um, uh, the experience. Uh, I've, I've seen it so many times. A, a new person, wouldn't have that confidence, but time and time and time again, it just keeps happening. They just come on in. Uh, sometimes it'll be two or three gobblers, Just come on in quiet. You don't even know they're in that County, man, but I always set up and I get real comfortable. I have a fat boy cushion. I have one of them Turkey, uh, Turkey thug, mossy oak Turkey thugs chairs. Uh I have just a folding chair I'll put out there and leave. Uh, you know, Put me a little few of pine limbs where if I, I just want to read my phone and see how you know Jacob and Andrews is doing and uh, <laughs> eat my peanut butter and pe- eat my peanut butter and jelly I, I you know just have a little spot kind of blocked out not a blind but I, I I don't hunt out of blinds but you know just something where I could get comfortable and set up and on a little hill or something and uh, you know it helps like I say man being in trapping and stuff like that it helps to see the areas turkeys go time and time again uh that's your best spots
0: well jared i appreciate you coming on man and sharing a lot of knowledge with us i think that's a great way to kind of wrap up this episode of the southern outdoorsman uh short report i know i i don't don't even need to tell you best of luck for you to tag out because it's going to happen probably when this episode drops you'll probably already have a bird down because you're hunting in the morning right
10: no, I'm not going tomorrow. I'm gonna take another day off. Ooh, oh well uh, it's we to be storming.
0: Yeah, we got the storms coming. dagum gum.
10: <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be storming bad. Uh Friday, am um, I'm trying to talk to the old lady and let me take a vacation day. <laughs> In the bottom <laughs> Yep. But, uh awesome. If I take a if I take a day Friday, that'd be that'd be pretty good, man.
0: Yep, awesome, Jerry. Well thanks again, man, for coming on and uh I'm just gonna say it, man. Best of luck for you tagging out. I know you don't need it, man, but I've gotta say it, okay?
10: I sure appreciate it, brother.
0: Well, that wraps up this week's episode, guys, of the Southern Outdoorsman Strut Report. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it with a buddy. And best of luck this weekend. If you guys go out there and have success using tips and tactics from the show from some of our guests, shoot us a message either through Facebook, Instagram, or through our email and let us know what episodes have been impactful for you. And also just let us know that you had some success. Maybe we'll have you on as a future guest of the Strut Report and also as a listener success story in the future. Make sure y'all also tune in on Friday afternoon or Saturday morning on the way to the woods for this week's episode of the Southern Outdoorsman listener success story. Again, guys, it's been really impactful seeing about seven of y'all already ride in. Uh, for listener success stories and also three of you guys it was your very first bird and that is fantastic so those will be coming out every week so we've got a lot of cool content coming out for you guys over this whole spring we're gonna be producing three episodes every single week so y'all always have fresh good content coming at you for the southern hunter and the southern listener and also for you midwestern boys i know that tune into the show as well but until next time guys we will see you here at the southern outdoorsman and y'all stay southern
1: Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a, a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, we talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for for you, which means you're gonna love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are gonna be there. A lot of the best deer killers in the southeast are gonna be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are gonna be there. It's just it's gonna be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all gonna be there and you you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no brainer. You got to be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.